Well, would you let our guest worship leader, Jen, and our entire worship team, and really all the tech team, know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship today. Uh, I think you know that a lot of people get here really, really, really early on Sunday mornings uh, to be prepared, adequately prepared for what God's going to do in our time together. I want to just say welcome back to part two of the message series, Seeing the Invisible, and I'm so glad that you're here. Now, in case you were away last weekend on Memorial Day weekend, uh, you'll want to go back. Uh, Pastor did a phenomenal job uh, kicking the series off. And you'll want to go back, and that's archived on the church's website, and you can check it out there and the other uh, social media platforms that we're on, so you will be able to do that. And uh, again, I know that Pastor and Sharon appreciate so deeply all of your prayers as they're walking through the challenges with their family now. I know that they're probably watching right now, and they just know that you're praying for them, and that matters to them a whole lot. Well, today we're going to take some time to talk about really the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in this series, we're talking about seeing the invisible. You and I can't see the Holy Spirit, obviously, correct? Uh, Jesus had about a 33-year lifespan here on earth. About three years of that was devoted to a public ministry. And, And during the time that Jesus was on earth, he was very visible. People saw him. He visited communities. He didn't go out to broad regions, but he went to various communities, and he met a lot of different people. And you could, you could see him. You could recognize him. Hey, that is Jesus. But that is not true with the Holy Spirit. And what Pastor and I are talking about during this series, there is a whole other world, friends, that is just as real as this world that you and I can look out and see right now. I mean, you could look out and see the interior of this sanctuary if you're here in the building. You can see your surroundings if you're watching online. But what we want to communicate to you during this entire series is there is another world that is just as real as the one that you and I can look at even now. And so in this series, we're going to talk about things like the evil one and the, the uh, demon spirits who work in collaboration with him. We're going to talk about angels. And as, as I mentioned to you, uh, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Now, I want to be clear on this. The Holy Spirit, listen now, is not an it. And he's not a mist. And he's not a phantom. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is an actual person? He is the third person of the divine trinity. He is real. You and I can't see him. He's not an it. He is a person, and we need to talk about that and his activity and what he's doing. So let's dive right in. Time will move quickly. So I want you to look at a couple of verses right here on the screen. This is Jesus now, and this is what Jesus is going to say. John 14, look at this with me. Jesus said, I will ask the Father. And so we're going to see this divine, this triune Godhead come into play all in these two verses. I will ask the Father, the Heavenly Father, this is Jesus now, and he will give you another helper. How many of you know he's talking about the Holy Spirit, right? And I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it does not see him, seeing the invisible, seeing the invisible. We cannot see him. The world does not see him or know him. I love what Jesus says here. Check it out. But you know him because he lives, say those two words with me. Say it again. He lives with you and he will be in you. 
So guys, keep that up on the screen for just a moment because, friends, really, if, if you and I can really grasp what is stated in, in the latter portion of this final verse, uh, the reality is it will change our thinking. It will change our life. When we consider that the Holy Spirit, who we're going to talk about today, that He lives with you, it is a reminder to us that we're never by ourselves. How many of you, I mean, just honestly speaking, how many of you sometimes you feel like you're by yourself? Just be honest. You can wave like this. Sometimes you may feel like you're by yourself, but you're not. You're never by yourself. You have, Jesus said, a helper. You have a counselor. You have a friend. You have a guide. He is going to be, Jesus said, he's going to be with you. But how many of you are glad Jesus didn't stop there? Jesus said, not only is he going to be with you, he is actually going to be in you. He's going to abide in you. And how many of you know that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us by the Holy Spirit if we're a follower of Jesus? And that's what Jesus said. He said, it's a good thing. He said, he's going to be with you. I'm going to ask the Father, and uh, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look again at some words of Jesus. And when you see them initially, uh, and for us, it seems uh, utterly like baffling to us. It's like that just doesn't make sense. But take how it feels to us and then consider what it must have felt like for these first century believers when Jesus said it to them just before he returns to heaven. Look at this on the screen. This is what he said. He said, I'm going to do what is what? what is best for you. And how many of you know, because they're like us, they said, that's good. That's good. I'm so glad you're going to do what is best for us. What's going to be best for me? Jesus said, well, I am. I'm going to do what is best for you. That is why I'm going away. And they're like, time out. Time out. Jesus, didn't you just say that you are going to do what is best for us? Jesus said, exactly. That's precisely what I said. But you just said that, and now you're saying you're going away. And then Jesus explains. He says, the Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I am gone, I will send the Spirit. I will send the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be able to see him. You can see me. But it is to your advantage, one's translation says. It's going to be a huge help to you if this happens. It's best for you. And they're like, what a joke. It doesn't seem best for us. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud has written a phenomenal book on how to grow. It's a book about spiritual formation, and you may want to read it sometime. But in that book, uh, again called How People Grow, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud has written this. He says, for reasons we do not fully understand, Jesus decided to go to heaven and to work on us from there. And he said that it is better than his being here himself. And then Cloud says this. This is a great statement. All I can think is that it must be incredible to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Another writer said this, Jesus' ministry on earth lasted about three years. I mentioned that a moment ago. This writer says he never left Palestine. The vast majority of people who have lived on earth have never come in direct contact with him at all. And I want you to just consider that for just a moment. If Jesus was still walking the earth right here, right now, he could only be in one place at one time. How many of you know that? 
If he was in another part of the world, he couldn't be here in the United States. If he was in another state, particularly I think Jesus would have hung out a lot around Atlanta, Georgia, but that's, you know, that's just what I think, you know. That's just what I think. That's my interpretation. You can disagree if you would like. But if Jesus was hanging out around Atlanta, Georgia, particularly Athens, then he couldn't be in, then he couldn't be in Lakeland at the same time. So wherever he was and present, he couldn't be all, he, was, he had limited himself. He had said, here's what I'm going to do, and we know what he did. He took upon himself. He was fully God, but he chose to become fully man, and upon that, he limited himself, and in that case, he could only be in one place at one time. That's why Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what is best for you, and they're like, yeah, 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 we like where you're going with this. I'm going away, and they're like, no, 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 and he says, yes. He said, it is better for you that I go away because the Holy Spirit can be with you all of the time, with you and in you. So what I want to do in these next few moments that we have together, and I want you note takers to get these down, I want to give you five incredible facts about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Five incredible facts about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, you ready? Be sure you get it down, your notebook, your tablet, your phone, wherever you're going to take some notes. Number one, the, the Holy Spirit is, let's say it this way, is a key player in the gift of salvation. The Holy Spirit is a key player in the gift of salvation. You're like, okay, Jeff, help me to fundamentally understand that, and I'll tell you how that works. It works in this way. The Holy Spirit is always the person who draws us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus And then Jesus saves us. Jesus saves us. And you know, I was thinking about that while I was working on this message, and it brought me back to that time uh, when in my home church, I was sitting in a service just like this service, and I was away from God. I'd grown up in church. My parents had had taken me to church when I was a child, but I got into my teenage years, and I, I drifted quite far from a relationship with God. I mean, in my mind, in my mind, I knew what was right, but uh, I wasn't in right relationship with Jesus. You've heard it said, because we've mentioned it to you before, that there's going to be a lot of people that will miss heaven by six inches. And you're like, what do you mean? Because it's the distance between their head and their heart. They have Jesus in their head, but they don't have Jesus in their heart. And that was me. I had Jesus in my head. I'd heard about Jesus. I thought about Jesus, but I didn't have Jesus in my heart. I was far from God. And I remember that service very well. In fact, we had a guest speaker. Is it okay if I be totally transparent with you? Can I do that? I love my home pastor. I just love my home pastor, and I wasn't in church all the time, and as I mentioned to you, I was far from God, but I'd known him for a long, long time because that was the home church that I'd gone to. But we had a guest speaker on this particular day, and I'm just being totally transparent. I wasn't real fond of the guest speaker, and I just sat back there, and I just kept thinking, well, you know, I I wish... My pastor was speaking today. I wish we called him Brother Bray. I'd known him since I was a kid. I wish that Brother Bray was preaching today. I wish, I wish. I'm not sure I even like this guy a whole lot. I don't like his style. I don't really like, but how many of you know that on that particular day, God had a plan for me, and by the Holy Spirit, he was going to draw me to Jesus no matter who was speaking in that service. 
And I can remember coming to the end of the service and this speaker that I wasn't even that crazy about, he gave the invitation and I found myself saying, I've got to get right with God. I've got to get right with God. I've got to get right with God. And what was happening? The Holy Spirit was drawing me because he's a key player in salvation. He was drawing me to Jesus and, and that, was, that was what he did. And the Holy Spirit drew me and Jesus saved me. Do you remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus, it says, he came to Jesus at night. Why did he come to Jesus at night? Because he wanted to be stealth-like. He really didn't want anybody to know that he was approaching Jesus. See, he was impressed with Jesus. He was totally impressed with Jesus. In fact, whenever you read the Gospels, I love this phrase, and it says, and nobody ever spoke. Do you remember this phrase? And nobody ever spoke like this man spoke. And they were talking about their own teachers and religious leaders. And like when Jesus uh, stands up and he speech, uh, speaks, he speaks with power and authority. And, and Nicodemus was drawn to that. And, and Nicodemus had a lot of questions. And he was too embarrassed to approach Jesus, you know, in public in the middle of daylight. So he came to Jesus at night. Now, this is what's going on. I want you to think about this. There are two things at work here, I believe, is doing some reading on this, and, and some uh, biblical scholars feel that this, and I would concur, that what was happening was two things actually going on in Nicodemus' life at that moment. One of which, one of the things that was drawing Nicodemus to, Nicodemus to Jesus was his own curiosity. How many of you would agree with that? He was curious. He had some questions. Jesus was different from anybody that he had ever seen before. So his own curiosity was drawing him to Jesus. But you know what else? Conviction was drawing him to Jesus. And he has this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus just looks at him, and he says, Nicodemus, listen, let me be clear with you. Here's what you need. You need to be born again. And he's like, what? I don't even understand. And Jesus is like, that's it. Nicodemus, you've, you've got to be. The Holy Spirit was drawn into Jesus, and Jesus says, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. In fact, look up here on the screen with me for just a moment. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Look at this next part right here. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and he's like, oh, I'm not sure what you mean here, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he says, Nicodemus, I want you to understand this. He's like, Lord, what are you talking about? How can I enter again? You remember this? You remember this when you read it? How can I enter a second time into my mother's room? I, I don't get it. And Jesus said, let me explain. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And we all know what he's talking about. Uh, let's just make it real practical, real pragmatic. He says, you know what? Your mother gave birth to you. That was your physical birth. Your mother gave birth to you. Now, my mom used to call me um, every year on my birthday when she was alive. She passed away. A lot of you know this just a few years ago. She would call me every day on my birthday, and she'd say, hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Happy birthday, honey. And I'd say, thank you, mom. Thank you for calling. And then she'd always follow it by saying this. Do you want me to tell you what a horrible time I had giving birth to you? <laughs> and I'd be like, no, not really, because I've heard it, you know, every year my whole life. She said, it was terrible, son. It, happy birthday, but it was, it was rough. It was terrible. How many of you know that'll work on your self-esteem over the years? <laughs> Especially later when I found out the rest of the story. 
My mom was 17, and, uh, and she, she wasn't even five foot tall. Before she became pregnant with me, she didn't even weigh 95 pounds. She's 17. She enters into uh, hard labor just before she goes to the hospital. And my grandmother later told me that my mother, when a labor pain really hit her, that she threw herself back on the sofa and said, I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. And my grandmother's like, it's a little too late for that, Mary. You and your husband, you know, should have thought of that ahead of time. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But Jesus said that's only part of the equation. Spirit gives birth to spirit. The Holy Spirit draws us to the Father, and we are born again. The Holy Spirit is a key player in salvation. How do we know for sure that we're a child of God? And again, the Holy Spirit is a key player in that. He has a role in that. Look at this verse up here on the screen. The Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Well, there's more that we could say about that. But secondly, be sure you get this down in your notes. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to pursue the will of God. See, all of us want to be in the will of God. But it doesn't just happen quite easily. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be able to pursue it. There are two major helps that you and I, every one of us uh, that are in this sanctuary or watching online, there are two major helps that we all need in our lives. We need the perception or the understanding of what is God's will for our life, but we also need the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill what is God's will for our life. Let me say that again. All of us, you, even if you haven't recognized it prior to this moment, all of us need the perception or the understanding of what is God's will for my life. But then beyond that, once we fundamentally understand that, it's like now I've got to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to accomplish the will of God. This this is, again, Jesus. Jesus had a lot to say, obviously, about the Holy Spirit. Look right here. This is what he says. But the helper, remember that's the term, for the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I told you. This helper, he declares, is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. And there's going to be all these times in our lives, friends, when we're, we're just hitting pause and we're saying, God, I really need you to reveal to me what is your will. What is, my, what is your will for my life? Big picture, but we have those moments where it's like, God, what is your will for my life in this situation? God, do you want me to take this job or not? God, do you want me, how do you want me to navigate this relationship? I I don't know exactly. Show me what you want me to do. Reveal your will to me. God, a financial decision I need to make. I'm not quite sure which way. God, reveal to me what is your best plan for my life. God, I need to have a conversation with a friend that has an addiction. Uh, God, just reveal to me what do you want me to do. God, there's a need here, and I sense that you want me to respond to this need, but I'm not quite sure what you want me to do. How do you want me, God, reveal your will to my life? And then once God does that, how many of you know another thing comes into play, and that is now, God, give me the courage to fulfill what you want me to do. Does that make sense to you? Wave at me if it does. God, show me what you want me to do, big picture, but even in the little decisions, show me what you want me to do, and then would you give me the courage in order that I may accomplish this? Some of you may have heard me tell this story before. Uh, A number of years ago, I was in Chick-fil-A because that was God's will for my life. (laughs) 
and it has been many times since, the will of God for my life. So I was in Chick-fil-A, and I don't carry a lot of cash. I just don't. I've always got my debit card with me, but I don't carry a lot of cash. But I had cash that day, and so it was unusual. So I'm up waiting for the order to be filled, and I looked over, looking back now, I know that the Holy Spirit was guiding me to, the, to this, but I looked over and I saw this family, and, and I'm like, wow, I'm like, why has this captured my attention? Because I'm around like you people all the time. And the Holy Spirit wasn't an audible voice, but how many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit speak to you so loudly, it felt louder than audible? And he said, Jeff, you've got some cash in your wallet, right? I'm like, how did you know that? I didn't tell you that. I said, yeah. And you don't normally carry cash. And I'm like, no. Jeff, do you think I may be leading you to give that family this cash? I'm like, I hope not. (laughs) I didn't say that. I'm like, God, maybe you are. And if you are, Give me the courage because now I'm sensing, how many of you are with me, you've had this happen to you, now I'm sensing that yes, there's a reason I've got cash in my wallet when I ordinarily do not have any cash and that yes, God is prompting me and leading me that it is his will that I would depart from this cash and give it to this family. But then I have this courage thing going on. And I start trying, have you ever done this? It made me feel good if you tell me you have that I started trying to talk myself out of it. Not because I didn't want to be generous, I could afford to be generous. I wanted to be generous. But then I started thinking about all the negative responses. Like, dude, what are you doing? We don't need your money. And what are you? What do you think? We don't want. And so I'm just playing all these scenarios. And this is all just like in real time just going through my mind. And I'm just thinking, Lord, I sense it. And I don't know because I want to do this. And you've blessed me. And I sense. But then what if I walk over there and the guy's just offended by it? Like, man, you think I can't provide? So I've got all these scenarios. And so I'm battling. Lord, what do I do? What do I do? And then I kid you not, uh, it was a big family. They had a lot of kids. And one one of the little girls, she must have been eight or nine years, and I'm just eight or nine years old, and I'm just struggling with this. Do I? You know, I feel like that you want me to, but I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want. And so I, I kid you not. I kid you not. And they were dividing up food, and I'm like, yeah, God, maybe they're just a little short, and I'm just feeling more and more that I need to do it, but I didn't quite have the courage. And I mean, they're all looking down, and I kid you not, that little girl looked up at direct, I mean, there's a lot of people in Chick-fil-A, but she looked up from where she was at, she looked directly at me, and it was like this. (laughs) And you know what I sensed? you know God wants you to give that cash to our family. And I'm like, (laughs) and I needed just a little confirmation. The Holy Spirit guides us and gives us the power to pursue the will of God. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and helper and counselor and guide. Uh, John 16, 13 says this. Take a look at it up here on the screen. When the Spirit comes who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all truth. Thirdly, I need to hurry. The Holy Spirit provides us with a backbone to share Jesus with the lost. I mentioned to you that when I was in high school, I was away from God. I had an older friend by the name of Gary, and partying came second nature to Gary, and because I liked Gary and he was fun to hang out with, 
Not too far after that, partying became part of my lifestyle. Not to the degree of, uh, of Gary, because Gary was like a professional partier. I'm just an amateur. And I can remember around this time, and, you know, I was away from God, but I told you I knew in my mind, in my head, in my brain what was right. And I'd go out, and, uh, you know, I'd be with Gary and some other guys, and I'd come home. I can remember so many times laying in my bed at night just saying, God, I know that's not the life that you have for me. It was not too long after that that I was in that Sunday service, that guest speaker I just told you about. I don't even remember what he preached. I have no idea. He could have talked about Noah and the ark, but the Holy Spirit was drawing me to Jesus, and I gave my life to Christ. About a year later, I just sort of, not because I purposely, um, you know, withdrew from Gary, but just our path went a different way, and I wasn't being sanctimonious, I'm better, I can't hang out with you anymore because you're a party guy and I'm a Christian. It was none of that, but we just, we were on different paths. He, I think he even graduated, and so about a year later, I was back in the neighborhood uh, where Gary lived, and, and I went in and I knocked on his door because I wanted to see my friend, and I knocked on the door. It was it was the days before cell phones. Do you remember these days? And so it wasn't like I, and so I knocked on his door and his mom came to the door and I said, is Gary here? And she knew me because I'd spent a lot of time in her house. I said, is Gary here? And her face just fell. And she told me a tragic story of how Gary, in the weeks just leading up to that moment when I was knocking on his door, was horrifically killed in a car crash. And then I hit replay, and I remember a real vivid conversation that Gary and I had. Because before our paths went a different direction, before Gary graduated and I was still in high school, I can remember being down at his house and, and the Holy Spirit saying, Jeff, now's the time. Yeah, you know him, you know his reputation, but he's... He's somebody that I love and care about. And I can remember this as though it happened yesterday, standing in Gary's backyard. It was dark, it was night, stars everywhere. And I can remember sharing my faith and telling Gary about the relationship that I had with Jesus. He knew me. He knew what I was, how I was living. He knew what my life had been like. And now I'm in Jesus and I'm enjoying, you know, being in a relationship with Jesus. And I remember, and I can, I walked away and I, I'm like, you know, and I did what was appropriate. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. And I walked away. And I don't know if Gary ever came to faith, but I know that he and I had a very extended conversation about what a relationship with Jesus is all about. It's so easy to create reasons not to share our faith, isn't it? Well, they're going to reject me, and that's what I struggle with. God, Gary's this professional partier. He's not going to listen to me. He'll reject me, but he didn't. God, they're too lost. They'll, they'll have questions I can't answer. I don't know enough. I'm not trained for this. What will I say? And we just have to know that in those moments, and this is the confidence that we have, that the Holy Spirit will give us the wisdom and the words to say in that moment when we're sharing our faith. Do you believe that? Have you ever walked away from an encounter like that? I've had this happen many times, share my faith, and I walk away and I'm like, God, that was all you because I had never thought about any of those things ahead of time. That was all you. 
Now, Paul confirms this. Look at what Paul said. This is a great, great uh, statement that he makes. Look at this on the screen. He said, when I talked with you, 1 Corinthians 2, when I talked with you or preached, I didn't try to prove anything by sounding wise. How many of you know that's good advice for us? I didn't try to prove anything. I like this. I simply let God's Spirit show his power. That's all I did. I just let God's spirit show his power. And you and I have got to know confidently when we stand and we share our faith and the Holy Spirit gives us the backbone to be able to do that. It's not about what we're going to say. It's the Holy Spirit who I believe will give us power in that moment to speak with clarity about where a person is and their need for Jesus. And all of us can do this. And some of you are like, Jeff, I could never share my faith. I promise you, you can't. But I don't have a lot of scriptures memorized about how to share my faith in evangelism. You know what I found? That if you tell somebody your story, your story is a powerful story. And you tell them, you tell them what your life was like before you came to Jesus. You just tell them, hey, this is what my life, that's what I did with Gary. Gary, you know how I live. Man, I was running with you, and I was partying with you, and this is what we were doing. Gary, you know my life. And you tell somebody what your life was like before you came to Jesus. Now, let me offer a little caution here. If your life was like really, really, really dark, don't tell the whole thing because they may think, wow, you needed Jesus. You did a lot of bad stuff. I don't do stuff nearly that bad. So you've got to use wisdom, and you tell them what your life was like before you came to Jesus, and then you tell them what happened. Gary, man, I was in church, and tell you what, it wasn't even my home pastor that I loved so much. Man, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I knew I had to get right with God. And you tell them what your life was like before. How did you come to Jesus? How were you saved? And then you just say, hey, here's what my life has been like since. Man, my life is not perfect, and I still struggle because, you know, the biggest struggle I have, you know, is the person that looks back at me in the mirror, and so I'm not perfect, got a long way to grow, uh, go because I'm growing in Jesus, but man, my life is so much better. I have peace, I have joy, and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that. Let me start wrapping this up. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit will give us the power to live a Christ-like life. Do we always live a Christ-like life? Hopefully, the majority of the time that we do, but sometimes we don't, and it becomes an enormous problem because our life apart from the Holy Spirit is a selfish life and pattern after the sinful nature. In fact, Paul said it this way to some believers living in Rome. Uh, check this out. This is what he said. He said, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Look at this next part. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit, the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So what is, the pre- what is prevailing most in our life? If it's us, that's pattern after the sinful nature and with it comes sinful thoughts and that leads to distress and frustration. But if instead of being led by our own ways, guided by our own ways, we want to be Christ-like, then we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And we walk not in our old fallen nature, our old sinful nature, but now we walk in this new redeemed nature. And as a result of that, we think godly thoughts. And when we think godly thoughts, we have life and we have peace. And it leads to the Christ-like life that all of us really want to live. Fifthly and finally, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts that ought to be used. In a recent message series, Pastor and I talked to you about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You remember that series? We did it preceding this one. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are entirely different. 
I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Fruit reflects who we are. Gifts reflect what we do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Fruit reflects who we are. It's going back to the Christ-like life. But spiritual gifts reflect what we do in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been bestowed with certain spiritual gifts in accordance with what is God's plan for your life. Look at this verse up on the screen, Hebrews 2.4. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. And maybe today you're saying, but Jeff, why would God even want to give me uh, spiritual gifts so that I can just walk around and tell people I've got spiritual gifts? I'm telling you, friends, God, by the Holy Spirit, never endowed us with spiritual gifts so that we can just brag about the spiritual gifts that we have. He wants us to use them. How many of you believe that? If you are a Christian, I wish I had time to talk about it. If you're a Christian, you have spiritual gifts. And if you have spiritual gifts, God wants you to use those gifts. Why is that so important? Look at this next verse. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. It's to build up the church. It's to help the world. And all of us have spiritual gifts. And I would just encourage you as we wrap up this talk, part two, and pastor will do a wonderful job next week with part three of this series. You do not need to miss it. You do not need to miss it. But if you're a Christian, it's already settled. The Holy Spirit has distributed to you spiritual gifts according to his will. That's what the scripture says. And he wants you to use them. I would challenge you during these summer months to like never before, if you don't have an ongoing ministry, to just start looking around saying, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to serve in the nursery? And some of you say, I know that is not the will of God for my life. (laughs) Well, maybe it's not. But maybe it's in guest services. Maybe it's leading a small group in the fall. Whatever it is, you use the gift that God has entrusted to you. Well, man, I wish I had a little more time. Some of you are like I was in that service that day. I told you already, I wasn't really crazy about the speaker. And some of you are feeling, well, I resonate with that because I'm not real crazy about you. (laughs) But if it's your time, it's your time. You're not here by accident. Did you hear what I said? You are not here by accident. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. Can I be honest with you? There is a battle for your soul. There is. The Holy Spirit right now, right now, right now is drawing you to Jesus. But there is another spirit at work, the spirit of darkness, who is saying to you, don't buy into that. Are you kidding? That's crazy. People are going to think you're fanatical. People are going to think you've lost your mind. Besides, you could never live the Christian life anyhow. And oh, by the way, look at all that you've done in your past and the enemy. I mean, there's this tug of war for your soul right now. Holy Spirit's drawing you to Jesus. The evil one's telling you, nope, don't do it. But I believe you're going to do it. I believe you're going to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, make me a brand new person. If any person be in Christ, guess what? They're a new creation. The old is passed away, and I, for one, am glad of that. But all things become new. You get a redo. You get a new start. You golfers, you get a mulligan. You get a do-over. And God loves you so much that he sent Jesus, his son. 
And Jesus said, when I go away, it's to your advantage because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's going to draw you to me. And when he does, I'm going to save you. You stand with me for a closing prayer. You're here today and you just say, you know what, Jeff? Man, I get it. I get it. I sense it. I sense it even now. The Holy Spirit is drawing me to Jesus. Then you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Do not listen to the lies of the evil one who will tell you there'll be another day. There'll be another time. You're not ready yet. Just wait. Wait it out. No, today is the day of salvation for you. And you just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Some of you are just saying, you know what, I'm a Christian, but I want to live more Christ-like life. I want to use spiritual gifts, and I'm not doing that right now. I want to share my faith with passion, knowing it's not all up to me, but the Holy Spirit is going to speak through me. But if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your life and you're like, hey, now is the time. I want to get right with Jesus. I want every person to just bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes right here, right now. And if you just say, Jeff, man, I'm not a Christian. I sense something. And it's more than your emotions or your feelings. Friends, I'm telling you, it's the invisible work of the Holy Spirit that is saying, now's your time, now's your time, now's your time. You're not here by accident. This is not a coincidental moment. This is me, and I'm drawing you because I love you, and I want to have a relationship with you. I want to give you a brand new start. I want to forgive you of all your sins. I want to be with you and in you. And if that's you, while nobody's looking around, would you just lift your hand and say, Jeff, that's me. That's me. Just lift it up real high. Just thank you. Thank you. Just lift it up real high, and you can put it right back down. Those of you that are watching online, you can do that. Just say right there where you're at, in your own heart, your mind, Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, thank you for drawing me to Jesus. I need a new start. I need a new beginning. I need to know that my sins are forgiven. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Be with me. I need you. Be in me. I need that power because I can't do it on my own. And I know that you'll receive me. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. We're going to open the altars. If you prayed that prayer and you want to come, I would encourage you to tell somebody that you prayed that prayer. Or you have a need in your life, or you need somebody to anoint you with oil, then you can come as the worship team leads us. If you're not coming to the altar today, and I hope that if you are feeling drawn to come to the altar, you will. But I'm not coming back to pray a, a formal prayer of dismissal. You'll be able to leave. If you're a guest, come by one of the welcome areas out in the lobby or going over uh, at the end of the breezeway there. Thank you for being here today. We'd love to meet you in here in just a moment. But those of you that you prayed or you need God to touch your life in some way, as the worship team wraps up this service, you come and let one of our altar workers pray with you. God bless you. I love you. Have an awesome week. We'll see you right back here on Wednesday.